You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good, I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Eric Coleman. Hello, Long Island, New York. And around the country, this is a Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Eric Coleman, he is not with us today. He's right now in the plane right now, flying to the Jets facility. He's going to be working on the Miami Dolphins game this coming weekend. So he will not be joining us today, but he will be back next week. As you know, this is only played and it's only live on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by... New York Sports Team Magazine, and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Guys, if you haven't downloaded the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app, go to iOS, which is Apple, and put in and search WWSRN. Again, it's WWSRN. And on Android, all you have to do is search in a Play Store, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download our app. All our shows are great. They're live throughout the week. We have a fantasy show. We have a betting show. We have all different shows. The Wise Guys, Off the Mat. So we have a great bunch of shows on our network that you'll love and you'll definitely follow. So, And our stories, great stories, great articles that we write. So definitely tune in, follow our app. You can watch our shows live on the app. You can listen to our shows live on the app. It's a great app for all the fans to follow. But uh, we have a great show lined up for you. We have some special guests. We have Josh Silverberg, my friend. He's a great Jets analyst. He knows everything about the Jets, the ins and the outs of the Jets. So he's going to come on with the Jets segment. We have CJ DeSimone, who does a show on our network called Weapons Hot. He's a Jets guy, but he also knows a lot about the NFL. So he's going to be joining us a little bit later in the show. So we have a great cast of different people that are going to be coming on the show and arguing their points and going against me and Speedy uh, on argument. Unfortunately, we don't have Eric in the studios, but we'll have him on next week. My first segment, I really want to get into the NBA because now the NBA season's over. And it was so interesting after the L.A. Lakers won the NBA championship. LeBron James was interviewed. He had the MVP of the playoffs. He hoisted that championship trophy. And he says he wants his respect. Now, LeBron James has a lot of respect. This guy is the greatest basketball player of our era. He's he's better than Kobe. He's better than Tim Duncan. He's better than all those guys that we talk about. But he's not better than Michael Jordan. And I'm not arguing the point that Michael Jordan, uh, he doesn't compete with Michael Jordan's statistics and his greatness. LeBron James is right there with Michael Jordan as far as one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And I think he's better than Bill Russell. I think he's better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's amongst... Some of the great players we've ever seen in professional sports. And he's one of only four players to win four MVPs and four NBA championships. Michael Jordan being one of them. Bill Russell being another. So all the great things that you see of LeBron James. He has all the records as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned. He scored 1,500 more points than Michael Jordan did in the playoffs. But here's the problem. LeBron James, he's lost six chances to win NBA championships. Michael Jordan was in the finals six times. He's won all six of them. He's never gone to a game seven. And I know a lot of people say it's not always about championships. Look at statistics. Michael Jordan played in a time with Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. He played against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy. 
Go look at the, the Piston teams that he played against. The Lambeers, the Isaiah Thomases. He played, Reggie Miller, he played against some of the greatest basketball players of all time and dominated the league. Now, I'm not saying LeBron James hasn't played against great players that we'll see in the NBA Hall of Fame. Here's the problem. Those guys are nowhere close to some of the players that I just mentioned. Is there any player right now in the league besides LeBron, LeBron James that is good or is even thought of like Larry Bird or Magic Johnson? The answer is no. That's the way we look at it. Now, I am not a Stephen A. Smith fan. I've never been, and I never will be. But I respect him when it comes to basketball because he knows what he's talking about, somewhat. But he said it, said it even best on his show. He said, as great as LeBron James is, and he's the second best player in NBA history. And Stephen A. Smith saying that, and what Stephen A. Smith has said over the years, he puts LeBron James at number two. That's saying a lot when he talks about Magic Johnson all the time, the Kobe Bryants, the Mamba, or whatever he talks about, Shaquille O'Neal. When he puts LeBron James at number two, that's giving him all the credit that he deserves. But he said one thing. He will never be compared to Michael Jordan. And the problem is Michael Jordan is here on the top of the world, and LeBron James is right in the middle. And, it, and you can't compare and contrast both players because they play two different positions, and they're two different styles of basketball players. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, is maybe LeBron is also trying to get this respect from the guys that are thinking, all right, this guy's not a top five player of all time still, even with the fourth championship. This guy's not better than these guys from past eras. These guys aren't better than Kobe. A lot of people are saying, especially obviously Laker fans are going to be saying that too, even with LeBron just leading him to a title this year. Again, I don't put Kobe Bryant in my top 10 because there are so many great players that we've seen year in and year out, even players that we've never seen in the 70s, the 60s, and the 50s. I, I don't. Look at Kobe Bryant as a top 10 player. Now, I believe that Kobe Bryant is one of the top 15, top 20 players of all time. There's no question. You can't keep Kobe Bryant out of that. But LeBron James is in the top five. Mm -hmm. Some people put him in as the number two player of all time. But for LeBron James to say that he doesn't get enough credit, that's crazy. That, that's a bunch of crap. LeBron James is a sensational player. Go look at the teams. He's won championships with three different teams. How many players could say they did that? Even the 07 team. Look at that scrappy bunch they took to the finals. He left Cleveland and, and all the people, Cleveland fans, burning his jersey and throwing him out and doing the things that they did. He went to Miami, won two titles over there, and then went back to Cleveland and won a championship with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. And people uh, complaining about Cleveland hasn't won championships in almost 50 or 40 years. He was the guy that brought a championship back to Cleveland. He helped businesses over there in Cleveland. He's helped businesses everywhere he's gone. So, And he, he always reps Cleveland because that's where he's from. But again, when you look at the big picture and you argue your point to LeBron James, to Michael Jordan, there is no comparison to both players. And that's why I disagree with LeBron James. Now, it was a sensational series. He beat a good team, not a great team, a good team. Miami is an up-and-coming team. They're a young team. Jimmy Butler is showing you why he's becoming a superstar in the league. And I say he's becoming because he's been a star in the league, but he yeah. really hasn't taken that team on his back all the way to an NBA championship. He had the opportunity to do it this year, and he did it. Mm -hmm. And he played well in the finals, too. Don't get me wrong. He was the second-best player in the finals. Oh, absolutely. He was phenomenal. He was well-rounded. 
good on defense, I would say. I wouldn't say elite on defense, obviously, on LeBron, but I mean, who's going to be elite on defense on LeBron? I mean, that's really hard to do. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. He really did a great job with a very young team. And the Miami Heat, I mean, it's a great story to see them do what they were able Pat to Riley. do. Too. Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, all those young players they got. It really was fantastic. It just, again, they ran into a juggernaut. They ran into an emotion, a team that was emotional, playing, obviously, for Kobe and playing for those fans that obviously were uh, – detrimented by Kobe's tragedy. They just ran into that. It was only a matter of time for Miami once the Lakers really established that series. And Jimmy Butler did all he could. Anthony Davis is is going to... People are going to be talking about Anthony Davis all offseason. And there's only a couple of months left before the season starts because they, they plan to start the season sometime in January. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to make a decision. Anthony Davis is going to have to make a decision because now he's a free agent. And a lot of people think because he's a, he's a big fan of LeBron James, LeBron James gives him his first championship. Dwight Howard wins his first championship. And when you saw mm-hmm. him and LeBron James hug, he says, I finally got one. I finally got one. He had a chance to win one against Miami a couple of years ago. When he was on Orlando, he just couldn't get over the the hump against LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. So he finally wins a championship so he can drive off into the sunset or ride off to the sunset with uh, with a horse or whatever he wants to ride (laughs) off with. And uh, he wins a title. But you're looking at Anthony Davis. I still believe that Anthony Davis might be looking elsewhere to go play for another team. And that team's Chicago. He comes from Chicago. He grew up in Chicago. He grew up a Bulls fan, as you can see. So... Uh, To my argument, is Anthony Davis going to stay with the Lakers and try to win more championships with LeBron James? Quite possibly could. But again, that's going to be up up to Anthony Davis and his family on what he wants to do moving forward. I love what the Lakers have done in the last couple of years. They they brought in winners. Rondo had a sensational playoff. He yeah. really did. He was a leader. He helped lead. He helped Anthony Davis grow as a player. You can see what he does on the court. Now, Green did not have a good playoff. He did not play well. Now, this is another championship for Green. Go look at the championships he's won. He's won quite a few. With the, he won two with the San Antonio Spurs. He won one with Toronto last year. He won back-to-back championships. Go look. He won one with Kawhi Leonard last year. Kawhi goes to the Clippers. He becomes a free agent. He goes to the Lakers. Wins back-to-back championships. How many players could say that he that they've won back-to-back championships with two different teams? Yeah, really? That's crazy. It is. You have to give him credit, even though he didn't have a great playoff. I think Green is done. I love Danny Green because he's from Long Island. He reps Long Island. Uh, his family's out here. So I, I love the story behind who... He is, and he, he come. He played for North Carolina. He everywhere he's gone, he's played for winning organizations, winning teams. So I love that about him. But this team is going to be completely different next year. Now there are stories coming out that the Lakers are going to try to maneuver some contracts so they can bring in Chris Paul. I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah. Where he's going to be making forty-two million dollars next year and forty-one million dollars the year after. He's owed about eighty-three million dollars. Now there were stories coming out from the New York Knicks organization that they're going to make a run for him. But now all of a sudden. Because there are stories coming out of Houston that they might be moving a player, Russell Westbrook might be on the trade rumors. So if that's the case, the Knicks are going to go after the younger guy, the 32-year-old that won an MVP a couple of years ago. So Chris Paul might be available for the Lakers, but the only way they're going to get Chris Paul is if Anthony Davis decides that he does not want to be a Laker this year, and he goes elsewhere. Because I can't see how they're going to maneuver contracts and bring in a contract with that extensive amount of money that he's going to get. Yeah, they can't have three max contracts as it is. So somebody's going to have to take a pay cut if they're going to do that, whether it's LeBron or whether it's Chris Paul. But I don't think there's any way Chris Paul's going to do it. And Adam Silver, after the game, do I disagree with some of the things Adam Silver has done uh, this past year with the emotional stuff that's going on in the world? 
No. I still think Adam Silver is the best commissioner in professional sports. He's, he's sensational. He's made a ton of money for the NBA and a ton of money when it comes to media and social media. Everything that he's done and he has created uh, ever since David Stern has taken a step down. And rest in peace, David Stern. He really helped the NBA for almost 40, 50 years. So Adam Silver is still a smart guy. I just disagree with a lot of things he did and, and throughout this year. But Adam Silver said that the Lakers are the team that everybody wanted to beat this year. And he believed that the Lakers were going to be that championship competitive pedigree team going in uh, to the playoffs this year. And he was right. So congratulations to the L.A. Lakers. Congratulations to the Bus family. I think championship number 17. Yep. They tie the Celtics now for the most all time. And, and now moving forward, what are the Lakers going to do in the offseason? Are they going to make moves? Is LeBron James planning to win six or seven titles moving forward with the Lakers? The question is, how long could LeBron James keep this up? I think he's got about three or four years left in the tank. I think he could play at the top of his game. He's still in sensational shape. The guy is built like a Buick. The guy just doesn't break down. So I love what I see with LeBron James. I just don't like the fact that he says that he deserves his respect. You've got your respect. You just don't have the respect to think that you're better than Michael Jordan. Nobody in any professional sport will ever be Michael Jordan. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the MLB playoffs here on the Weekend Crunch. A little West Coast. Eric's not here. West Coast versus East Coast. Uh, we did that last week, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, East Coast always wins. As you know. <laughs> Just kidding, Eric. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch only on LI News Radio Network. 103.9 brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download our app, guys. Search it on iOS, WWSRN, on Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out our great shows throughout our network every single week. Live shows, you can tune in and stay tuned with all the great analytic stuff that we talk about on our shows. I want to get into some MLB baseball. And there's a team that's still in the playoffs that absolutely is a disgrace. An absolute disgrace, but for some reason are still in it. And that's the Houston Astros. And I can't take away the sensational talent that they're putting out there game in and game out in the playoffs. They've played very, very well. They're not cheating anymore. So that just shows you that they have a lot of talent. And I'm surprised they don't have Justin Verlander. They don't have Garrett Cole. And they're still winning. So that really sticks out to me. George Springer, you're looking at Altuve that has not looked good throughout the playoffs, but has played a little bit better in the last two or three games. And this team that was down 3-0 against the Tampa Bay Rays tied the series up yesterday 3-3. And I am very surprised. Could you imagine the Astros come back from a 3-0 deficit, win this series and go all the way to the World Series and win a World Series? Oh, my God. What a disgrace. What a disgrace for the MLB. And as good as they're playing, and I have to give them a lot of credit, they fired their GM, they fired their manager in the offseason, and they're still winning. It's a sensational story. But here's the problem. This team should not have played this year. 60-game season, COVID-19, Rob Manford should have suspended the whole team. He shouldn't have given them the opportunity to make the playoffs. Even if they let he let them play all season long, he should have put a hammer on them and said, you know what, even if you're there in the playoffs and you can make the playoffs, you're not making the playoffs. And they only made it because of the 18 setup, too. So I, I am, I'm 
Sometimes it's, worse. it's disturbing when you look at the big picture where the Astros have the opportunity now to win a World Series. It makes absolutely no sense. Now, Altuve, like I, we were talking about, he's had a really bad season. He was bat- I think his batting average was 245. No, I think it was worse than that. It was like 222 or something. And, like that. And it has a lot to do with possibly the cheating scandal that they were, they were using the cameras and the different things that we heard, the banging of the trash cans in the dugout. That could have helped a lot of players. George Springer had a good season. I think George Springer is a great player. I think he's the best player on the team. And Carlos Correa, why doesn't he just shut his mouth? Yeah, really. You know, I, I mean, even yesterday after they won, he says, everybody thought, everybody counted us out, blah, 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 blah. And I believe that I'm still one of the top players in the league. Listen, you have said enough in the offseason that is just disturbing. As a fan, as an analyst, as a broadcaster, nobody would agree with anything that you have said. And unfortunately, a lot of teams have done this over the years but never got caught. The things that you were caught with is astronomical. You can't sit here and tell us you didn't cheat when there are players that left your team that said you are the cheating scandal was even worse. It was even worse than we ever even thought. Rob Manford is going to be attacked after the season, even if Houston doesn't win the championship. And I still don't think, even if Houston does win this series, I don't see Houston beating Atlanta or the Dodgers. I, don't. I, I hope not. But again, this is, this is such a weird year. Anything could happen at this point. And the one thing I will give the Astros credit for is their young pitching coming through. From Valdez and Christian Javier, guys like that. Because you mentioned it, they're, they're starting pitching on paper. did not look good coming into the season. Grinky McCullers coming back from Tommy John surgery. But those guys, have, those other guys, the young guys have pitched well. So give them credit there. But you're right. They should not be here at this point. And I guess Oakland had gotten their heads. The Twins, we all know what they do in the postseason. So they just crumble anyway. This is Rob Manfred's This fault. is Rob Manfred's fault for sure. We could have seen the Rays play another American League powerhouse. Maybe it was the Yankees. Maybe it was an American League Central team that could have had a better record or better seating at that point, whether it was Cleveland or the White Sox or something like that. That could have been a really good series as it was. Not that this isn't. I mean, they've had competitive games, but no one wants to see the Astros at this point. Fans are going to get annoyed at this as it is, and if the Rays do end up blowing this series and we see the Astros in the World Series, that's really going to be a bad look for baseball. The Rays have the right guy on the mound. He's been the best pitcher throughout the playoffs mm-hmm. for them. He's 2-0, 0.90 ERA, and that's Morton, yep. the ex-Astro. Who would have thought that Morton in a game number seven is not, it has the opportunity to knock off his former team? I hope so, too. Now, here's the thing. I mentioned on our shows many times how much I like Kevin Cash as a manager. This is where I thought he, he blundered a bit. I would have started Morton in game six and tried to put the dagger on them then because Snell's not really a length pitcher. He only gave that four two-thirds innings or whatever he did. I know people are criticizing him for pulling him early yesterday. I don't know if I would have necessarily started him at all. You got Morton game six, Glass now game seven. I would have done that approach, especially with the way they've used their bullpen already. And you saw their bullpen yesterday really struggle, especially in that fifth inning. I think because not having a length pitcher on the mound with Morton in comparison to Snell, who doesn't really do that. I think the Yankees would have matched up better against Houston. I think they're a better team than the Tampa Bay Rays. The, the Rays actually, and I'm not going to take shots at the Rays. They beat them. There's no argument that they didn't beat the Yankees. They beat the Yankees. They outplayed the Yankees. But I think this series would have been over if the Yankees had a 3-0 lead against this mm-hmm. Astro team. I think they're a much better team. And with the power that they have in the lineup, you're seeing that Tampa doesn't have the middle of the lineups at some of these teams. The Astros have a phenomenal middle of their lineup. It's a great middle of the lineup. You have Correa, you have Altuve, you have Springer, you have so many guys that hit, you know, has so much power. You saw in the fifth inning they scored four runs, which cost the, the Tampa Bay Rays that game, game number six. So 
again, going back to what Tampa is, Tampa is a great team. They have a lot of depth. But this lineup is not as powerful as the Astros or the Yankees or even teams like even the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have a better middle of the lineup, uh, than power Power-wise, lineup, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. than, than a team like Tampa. And you, you see this is a big problem. Uh, in this series, there's just not enough power with Tampa. Right. And you're seeing, too, I think after they got a 3-0 lead, it seemed like they were trying to be that team. And they're not. The Rays are have, – they have some guys with power, but it's not a – that's not what they're known for. And I seem like they're trying for that too much. They're turning into the Yankees' approach where they were trying to hit the home runs too much at times. Maybe just too content with the lead. And I saw it both in Game 4 and in Game 5. Game 6, I think they tried it a little more. They just couldn't hit off those Astros pitchers. And now they have to really change their approach against probably some veteran pitchers for the Astros too. Whether it's Grinky, whether it's McCullers, whoever we see in this game. Because Dusty Baker's going to pull out all his stops. And I give him some credit too. He's... Normally, he's been. I've complained about him for being old fashioned. He's actually done a good job at managing. Sensational job. He's done a great job at managing for the modern era, which has always been my problem with him. With other teams, he's he's managed before. So has I he give, ever won a World Series? No, as a he's coach? not. He lost with the Giants in 0-2. This could be his chance. This could be his chance. And again, now he's been held. He's been holding teams back. Cincinnati, who had a good pitching staff when he was there. Did not have the modern approach. The Nationals had a great pitching staff. They could not manage that bullpen, and they could not manage those other those other players. So now he's finally doing it with a team that's probably not as talented. And the, the Dodgers, the Dodgers series, they were down three to one, and then yesterday coming back the way they did. And and, and here's the thing: Seager is a guy that everybody. Corey Seager has not stayed healthy year in and year out. This guy has been fighting injury. He reminds me of Sam Darnold for the New York Jets. The mm-hmm. guy just can't stay healthy. But he has a tremendous amount of talent. This guy's a free agent in the offseason. They moved him from shortstop to second base because of some of the talent that they have in their farm system. And now you're seeing what this guy can do. He is a dangerous player. There are going to be teams lining up for this guy. This guy could play shortstop. He could play second base. He could even play third base and first base. And he could yeah. play any infield position. And the the guy still has power. If he could stay in the game, he could stay healthy. This guy's as good as any player in the infield in professional baseball. And you're seeing two home runs in a game, in a playoff game that could have cost the, the Dodgers uh, elimination. And I will say this. If they do not win, they're going to fire their manager. I think so. so. They're, they're absolutely going to fire their manager. And Atlanta, Atlanta, I think, and I, they're my favorites. I believe Atlanta, if they can get out of this series, they're going to win the World Series. I think they're as good as... As young, talented teams we've seen in a very long time, they have one of the best young pitchers in baseball and free. There's just so much talent in this lineup, too. Acuna. I think that this Atlanta Braves team is as good of the Braves that we've seen since the Braves of the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Glavins and the, the Maddox and the Smoltzes. So, and the lineup is just as good. I, I think yeah. this is lineup is, is as good as those lineups with Chipper Jones and the Andrew Joneses right. of the world. So, I am very impressed with the what the Atlanta... The Atlanta Braves. So could you imagine that both the Dodgers and Houston come back from the deficits that they oh, do God. and go to the World Series, the Dodgers versus Houston? And what happened? The Astros won, beating up you, Darvish. <laughs> and remember the backlash the Dodgers and the Astros have. Bellinger, what he has said about the Houston Astros, that they should have never, they should not keep the World Series trophy. They should not be the champions. Yep. Uh, this would be, I would actually like to see the Dodgers versus uh, the Houston Astros because there's a lot of backlash. There's a lot of back and forth banter with each other. I think there'll be fights. I, I oh, do. Yeah, I do too. I think it would be a great <laughs> World Series to watch because I could see two bad blood teams absolutely can't stand each other. Joe Kelly, the fight starter. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Joe Kelly's still there too. Yep. As far as the Yankees are concerned, there were some interesting things that uh, Hal Steinberg has said 
in the, in the press conferences this week and Brian Cashman that uh, because of COVID-19, uh, it has hurt the Yankees more than any team in professional baseball. It might hurt them with free agency. I still think the Yankees are going to open up their wilds for DJ LeMayu. You cannot not re-sign arguably an MVP candidate and the, the guy that won the batting title this year. He's been sensational for the Yankees since he's come to the team. Uh, the question is, are you going to extend uh, the arbitration or, or pay Aaron Judge this offseason? Are you going to move Gary Sanchez? Are you going to look to bring in another pitcher like a, a Trevor Bauer or something like that? Because uh, James Paxton's probably not coming back this year. He's a free agent. Tanaka has not looked good uh, in the playoffs, so maybe they move away from Tanaka, maybe bring in a Trevor Bauer to replace those two guys. So it's going to be an interesting offseason, and where the Yankees go when it comes to spending money because you know the Mets are going to spend money. That's for damn sure. Finally. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into the New York Jets and the debacle. Well, everybody thinks it's a debacle. I believe Joe Douglas is doing the right thing for this organization and moving forward with the organization. We will get into that with Josh Silverberger here on the Weekend Crunch. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. As you guys know, Eric is not with us today. He's working at the Jets facility, and he will be back next week. But we have a very, very special guest today. Uh, He's going to help us with this segment we have a guy that I have very well respected for a very, very long time when it comes to Jets football, and I'd like to introduce Josh Silverberg. What's going on, Josh? What's going on, guys? Errol, thank you so much for the kind words. Speedy, hope you're doing well. Can't wait. I'm excited. And look, I mean, I say I'm excited, but the Jets are not excited, but we'll get into <laughs> more. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and and I wanted to get into the New York Jets, and Unfortunately, Eric's not here to argue his points about the Jets because he works with the New York Jets. And I know Eric tries to hold back on what he wants to say about the Jets because he works with the New York Jets. So I have a lot to say about the organization and what's been going on behind the scenes. But this whole Le'Veon Bell situation has been an absolute mockery ever since Mike McCagnan has brought uh, Le'Veon Bell to the organization. He paid him a $50 million contract. He's make, He was making about $13.5 million a year. And unfortunately, in the last two years that he was here with the team, he really has done nothing with the organization to make the organization better, except some of the things that he's done on social media and some of the things that he's done off the field. Now, my question to you, Josh, is when you look at the big picture right now, the Jets decided over the the last couple of days, to release Le'Veon Bell. They tried to make a move. They tried to trade him. There were stories coming out that they tried to trade him to Miami. I heard they were trying to trade him to Chicago. There were other teams that were in the mix for Le'Veon Bell. But all in all, they couldn't move him because a lot of teams didn't want to give up any significant picks. I've I've heard that some teams didn't want to give up a sixth or a seventh-round pick for Le'Veon Bell because – the Jets were not going to be able to move him unless he was going to get released because of everything that was going on behind the scenes. What were your thoughts when you heard Joe Douglas decided to release Le'Veon Bell uh, after the whole situation that was going on behind the scenes? Well, for me, first off, I thought it was shocking in the sense that it happened like on a random Tuesday night. I thought, oh, okay. I didn't see this coming because all you did was I know the day before you heard on Twitter and social media 
the New York Jets are going to try to trade him. Fine, fine. We understood that because, look, there was no future for Le'Veon Bell after this year anyway. It doesn't make sense to keep him around. The team is going nowhere. That's all fine and, and dandy. But the fact that no teams wanted him, not that they didn't want him, they didn't want to trade for him because they didn't want to trade the assets for him. Because one, I think teams knew that he was going to be released. But two, there's a kicker that also went into the contract, and that's something I don't think enough people are talking about. If Le'Veon Bell got traded, okay, he gets hurt. I believe there was an $8 million hit on the contract that they would have to pay for an injury clause, I believe, this year or next year. They would have to finish paying the injury clause, which was $8 million. I don't know how that got put into the contract. I don't know if Mike McCagnin put that in there to seal the deal. Oh, oh, you know, everything like that. That's why teams didn't want to trade for him, because they knew that if he got injured. I mean, look, we saw it with Dak Prescott, right, Arrow? We saw it mm-hmm. with Dak Prescott over the weekend. Things like that can happen in the blink of an eye. doesn't matter how it happens, when it happens. It can easily happen at any point. At that point, that team is on the hook for $8 million. Now the Jets were trying to pay a significant portion of that salary. But I think front offices knew they were smart enough to know that the New York Jets were going to release him. They, that's why they didn't want to trade a draft capital. They didn't want to finish paying that contract if he gets hurt. And look, he's had injury concerns, right? The last year, my hamstring is fine. Two games later, he has a hamstring issue. That's the funny thing about it. Um, Look, he tried to be a good soldier. He said all the right things. But in the end, it just was so inevitable. It was going to happen. He had no future here. The, the contract after this year doesn't matter. And the Jets were going to release him anyway. It, didn't make any sense for teams to trade for him and it didn't make any sense for the jets to trade him but look i understand the deadlines in three weeks what if he gets hurt then the new york jets really have nothing and they're on the hook for eight million dollars that's the that's the scary thing of when you try to showcase somebody in football especially you never know when an injury can happen well i also think that a lot of fans are taking shots at joe douglas because they think that joe douglas doesn't know how to control the players now jamal adams in the offseason was demanding a trade now all of a sudden Le'Veon bell and, and Le'Veon bell took shots at jamal adams because he completely walked away he dragged Le'Veon bell to come to the organization because he wanted to win a championship with Le'Veon bell with the jets and then all of a sudden after one year he decides to walk away he demands to be traded Traded. He picked a bunch of teams that he wanted to go to. Eventually, he was traded to Seattle for two first rounds, a third round, and, and Bradley McDougal. And now Le'Veon Bell, in the middle of the season, not even in the middle of the season, the first four or five games, there were stories coming out that he was causing trouble in the locker room. There was stuff going on that he wasn't getting along with some players. And now he demands his, his way out. Now he's released, and he goes to Kansas City. And now everybody's saying, well, maybe Joe Douglas isn't the right guy. I think Joe Douglas has done a phenomenal job. And I think getting rid of two cancers in the locker room helps the Jets. Because I don't know if they're going to decide to keep Sam Donald. There are uh, some stories coming out there looking to trade Jamison Crowder. Maybe maybe Quinn Williams. Who knows? There might be other players that might be available that the Jets might decide to move. Marcus May being another one because he's a free agent after this year. So the Jets are going to try to build an, a, a, a huge draft stock and move forward with this team. I think Joe Douglas is trying to get rid of all of Mike McCagney's guys. He wants to build the team around his thoughts of where this team is going. And unfortunately, it doesn't look good right now because a lot of people think, a lot of Jet fans think that the Jets are trying to lose because they want that number one pick. But as a Jet fan or as an analyst or even as a fan of football, 
if you know your team isn't making the playoffs, you're already 0-5, you're going into uh, the sixth week where you're going to probably be 0-6 against a Miami team that obviously is much better than you, you don't want to win because you have an opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence. I know you have Sam Donald, and I know a lot of Jeff fans believe that Sam Donald is the future of this organization. I'm one of those guys. I love Sam. But if you got, if you can get a player of Trevor Lawrence talent, and the Jets have for years, for years, Andrew Locke, all these quarterbacks coming out of the draft, and the Jets never get that pick because they just win enough to lose that opportunity to get the number one pick. When was the last time the Jets got the number one pick in a draft? Could you remember the last time the Jets got the number one pick? And the answer is Keyshawn Johnson. That was the last time they got the pick. And that was the year that Peyton Manning was supposed to go into the draft from Tennessee, and he decided to play one more year in Tennessee because he didn't want to play for the Jets because he didn't want to deal with Bill Parcells. So... Unfortunately, when you look at the big picture with the New York Jets, I think Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. I think eventually everybody keeps thinking that Joe Douglas is not going to fire Adam Gase. Adam Gase is going to get fired. He is absolutely going to get fired. But why fire a guy that gives you the best chance to lose? I mean, seriously. He gives you the best chance to lose. If you give the reins to Greg Williams or you give the reins to one of these uh, offensive coordinators or one of these uh, bench coaches – that gives the Jets, maybe the Jets players start to play for those guys. The Jets get a win or two, and it costs them the chance to get Trevor Lawrence or their number one pick. So, uh, to me, Josh, when you look at the big picture, I believe Joe Douglas knows what he's doing, and I think the Jets are in good hands with Joe Douglas. So, I just want to throw this out to the fans out there. Aaron and I have known each other for a long time. Speedy, you know this too. Aaron and I never agree on anything. It's <laughs> It's inevitable. Yelling happens. Everything. We agree 100%. I, I, I think everything you said is right on point. And I understand where Jeff fans are in the sense that they're frustrated, they're annoyed, they're angry because they're sick of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. This and that happens every year. You feel like that, right? I mean, look, Errol, you and I are both Jeff fans. We feel like that every single year. What if this happens? What if that happens? Everything like that. You need to sit back. And let Joe Douglas do his job. And the thing is, it's so funny is that people don't realize this. Front office people in the NFL, they, they want to take the credit for what they get. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If it's not their quarterback or their head coach, they want him out. That's the reality of it. Because when you look back on it, Joe Douglas, if the Jets ever win the Super Bowl, my goodness, I wouldn't even know what to do if that happened. But <laughs> my wife said she locked me out of the house for a week. You know, Joe Douglas could say, that's my head coach I picked. That's my quarterback that I picked. That's what got us to the promised land, okay? People, front office people in the NFL have that mindset of, I want to take all the credit. I did that. Me. I made this team possible. They don't want to inherit things. That's really what it is. I mean, look what happens when the Jets tried to inherit something with with John Idzik. Remember when Mm -hmm. he tried to inherit Rex Ryan and then Mark Sanchez? It was the debacle. Mm -hmm. It was another embarrassment or whatever. It was Geno Smith, whoever he had. It was a disaster. That's what front office people are in the NFL. They want to take all the credit in the world and say, look what got us here. My draft pick, my quarterback. So if they go out and they draft Trevor Lawrence, like you said, Arrow, which I think is the ultimate goal. And I think, you know, there's so many head coach candidates you could look at for the New York Jets that we could even talk about, you know, from Eric Bieniemy to to Greg Roman to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, another guy I think that we need to start discussing, and that's Joe Brady on the Carolina Panthers. We need to start talking about him because of what he's done with Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. And you draft Trevor Lawrence, Joe Douglas can now say, 
I picked that coach. I drafted that quarterback. None of you saw my vision. I saw it the whole way. You didn't see it. I had it the right way. And this is why we are where we are now, because I created this beautiful, glowing, winning culture here with the New York Jets, which, of course, I hate when they talk about cultures in sports. I hate that. We're going to make the best culture possible, the culture this, the culture that. Cultures to me, listen, you want to know how you make a good culture? If you, win, if you win games, that's how you make a good culture, okay? If you don't win games, it's toxic. You could be in the best cult. You could have the best culture in sports, and your team goes 3-13, and 13, but we have the best culture because our locker room was so good. doesn't mean anything. Culture to me is winning football games and building something. That's what Joe Douglas is trying to do, and I agree with you. Arrow in the sense that what is the point of firing Adam Gase now? The damage is done already. It's over. It was done after week two when they lost to the JV 49er mm-hmm. squad. That was when knew this team stinks, okay? This team has nothing, no talent, okay? You want to add the icing on cake? Why don't you lose Thursday night on a short week to a West Coast team endeavor to a third-string undrafted quarterback, bring him in there on the road, and let him throw two turnovers. <laughs> And still lose the game by 11 points, which is just mind-boggling to me that that actually happened. But in reality, it did. So to me, I think the New York Jets are doing it the right way. I know people don't see it that way. But another underrated thing about Joe Douglas 2 Arrow is this. So Andrew Thomas was drafted. Jedrick Wills was drafted to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. The Jets had a choice. Tristan Warfs, Makai Becton. They went with Makai Becton. Now people are going to say, oh, that's easy. That's so easy. You had the top 15 draft pick. It was an offensive lineman. How could you screw that up? Uh, ask the New York Giants about that with Eric Flowers. That's how you could screw that up if you picked the wrong person, okay? How about the kid the Giants drafted this year? Thomas. He hasn't Thomas. looked good either. No, he has not. And that's really what it comes down to is you got to make sure you bank on these draft picks, okay? You have to. And you have to make sure you're picking the right person. That's really what it comes down to is you got to make sure when you have – when you have choices in front of you, you know you're taking an offensive lineman, right, Arrow? Yep. So you're, you're taking an offensive lineman. But you got to make sure you're picking the right one. Graded out-wise, the New York Jets, out of the four that were taken, have picked the best one. And that's including Tristan Wirfs, who's not even on the left side of the, of the Buccaneer offensive line. He's on the right side of the offensive line for the Buccaneers. That that makes it even – you know, I'm not saying Wirfs is going to be a bad talent. And I'll be the first to admit, I want the Tristan Wirfs over Mekhi Pecton. I did because of, I'm a I like the Big Ten. I, I trust the Big Ten building up offensive linemen more. The big ho- what are they what what is uh Dave Gettleman call them the hog mollies or whatever he calls them up mm-hmm. up front. Mm-hmm. So to me, Joe Douglas did great with that. Let's wait for these draft picks too. I know they're not playing. And Arrow, I know you said it for weeks about Denzel Mims, but why should Denzel Mims even play why should Denzel Mims even play a snap this year? Mm. What's the point? There is no point because he's not going to be involved in the offense if they're going to constantly do bubble screens and slants. It doesn't fit Denzel Mims's game. He's a deep threat receiver like he was in Baylor because that's what the Big 12 was, right? An airmail offensive conference. That's why certain guys you're not going to see this year. Cameron Clark, I want to see Cameron Clark. Cameron Clark, I think, would be a great guard in this, end of, in this league. Go look at that Clemson highlight video that he had when he played Clemson. Anything like that. Just look at it. Bryce Hall, uh, what's his name? The kid from Virginia? Hall. When he comes yeah. From that injury, Bryce Hall is going to be a really good cornerback. Okay. Now I know people are iffy because of that. That's, he had the same injury Dak had. Okay. So that's going to take a while for him to get back. Jabari Zaniga is going to come in here. He's going to, I think, be a good pass rusher. God, hopefully, he doesn't turn into Jakai Polite out of Florida. Okay. I can only hope that doesn't happen. And like I said, Errol, the thing I can't stand is 
that he said, yes, Le'Veon Bell is gone down. I'm talking about Adam Gase. He's going to get Michael P. Ryan in now involved. He could have gotten involved in the offense for weeks. Instead of watching Cameron Bellage Mitch blitz, blitzes every down, Michael P. Ryan could have gotten it, you know, so. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Everything that you said, I agree with, and I I think Adam Gase is is treading, and 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 he's treading, and he's going to drown, and he's already drowned. And I think the New York Jets, as a whole, as an organization, they have to trust in the process. And I think Joe Douglas knows the process. I think he has a plan. Uh, LaMichael Piron, if he's not the guy, they'll just go back into the draft and find the guy. So okay. with what the Jets are doing and everything that. Uh, Joe Douglas is doing, it's only going to benefit the Jets moving forward. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to Jets to figure out who's going to be on this team next year and who's not going to be on the team next year. And you get a rid of the cancers. If, if Sam Darnold isn't the guy, well, then there are a lot of teams going to be lining up. Indianapolis will line up for him. Chicago will line up for him. Atlanta might be interested in him because they not, might not think Matt Ryan is the future now. There are other opportunities where they can move Sam Darnold and get a lot back for Sam Donald. You could get a first and a third back from Sam Donald because I still believe that Sam Donald is going to be an elite quarterback in this league, just maybe not for the New York Jets. And knowing that Sam has been here for three years, the guy can't stay healthy, and he's had two coaches in three years moving on to a third coach in four years, uh, maybe it's just not the right time for Sam Donald to be with this organization, maybe moving forward with a guy like Trevor Lawrence and maybe even Justin Fields might be a better opportunity to move forward uh, with the organization. That was Josh Silverberg, a very good friend of mine, Jets analyst, a guy that knows the ins and the outs of the New York Jets. Thank you for joining us, Josh. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm looking forward to being on with you guys more. Love it. Keep killing it on the show. Right, guys? Absolutely. That is Josh Silverberg. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into week five and week six, and we will make our picks. We do not have Eric with us today. He's working at the Jets facilities, getting ready for this weekend for the Jets and Miami. So it'll be a very interesting game. We'll see if Ryan Fitzpatrick throws and kills the Jets all over the fields. I think that's going to happen. I really do. I think the Jets don't stand a chance against an impressive Miami Dolphins team. When we come back, we'll get into Week 5 and Week 6 here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Weekend Crunch only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Guys, download the app on iOS, Apple, WWSRN, or Android. Android, search it! Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I told you guys I was going to have some great guests on the show. Uh, unfortunately, Eric is not going to be joining us today. He's right now at the Jets facility getting ready for the Miami Dolphins game. So, shout out to Eric Coleman. We really appreciate everything that he's done uh, with the show and, and our network. So, Uh, Looking forward to getting him back on next week. Hard worker, as you know, six shows throughout the weekend. The guy knows how to work. But we have our second guest of the show, which is we're going to get into week number five. We're going to go through the games and week number six. This guy is very well-rounded throughout sports, but this guy does a show on our network every single Sunday, and it's called Weapons Hot. It's a New York Jets broadcast, 
and it, it's a great show. Him and Kevin give you so many analytic conversations, not only about the Jets, but some of the players and, and, and their thoughts with what's going on with the Jets and the organization. I'd like to introduce the host of Weapons Hot, CJ Desimone. What's going on, CJ? What's going on, guys? How are you today? We are good, man. Uh, as you guys know, uh, I, we, we'll get into the Jets uh, in the next segment. Uh, I definitely want to know your opinion. We heard what Josh's opinion was with the New York Jets, so I'm sure a lot of fans are going to like to know what you think about where the Jets are. But I want to get into week number five and some of the games that really stood out to me. And the one game that really stood out to me was the Thursday night football game, the Chicago Bears versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was surprised that the Buccaneers just uh, – Tom Brady just doesn't look good. And I know the week before he had five touchdowns and everybody was like, oh, the old Tom Brady is back. He's starting to figure things out. And then he goes against uh, arguably one of the best defensive teams, one of the best front sevens in football, and laid up a dud. He, he just didn't play well. Uh, the offense didn't play well in the game. Gronkowski looks old. And, and this team just hasn't really connected – Throughout this season, he's thrown a massive amount of interceptions. I think he's thrown five or six this year. Uh, four of them was uh, pick sixes. So he has not looked good. What were your thoughts? I think the Bears are the team to beat, one of the teams to beat in the NFC. I really do. I picked them early in the season on our show, Below the Mic. I thought that they were going to be one of those teams that were going to really be a standout. Uh, now it's Nick Falls. It's not Mitchell Trubinsky. Everybody knows my opinion towards that. What is your thoughts to that game? As far as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are concerned, you can definitely see that Father Time is starting to catch up to both Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. I did get to catch part of that game on Thursday night, and the Bears, believe it or not, are definitely look different from the way that they looked last year. And they gave the Bucs all that they could handle. Um, Brady did struggle in this game. Um, however, there were some bright spots. So, you know, the Bears moving forward with Nick Foles, Come on now, a, a lot of this was uh, billed as, you know, uh, a Super Bowl rematch as the two of them squared off in, in the Super Bowl a few uh, a few years back with Nick Foles getting the better of, of Tom Brady. So a lot of people were kind of pitching this as a grudge match. But the Bears are definitely a team in the NFC that is going to give some other teams some fits. So they're not a team that can no longer be taken lightly. Uh, and believe it or not, even the Buccaneers with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski struggling even though they are having a little bit of those struggles on offense, they can, in fact, move the ball up and down the field. And Bruce Arians does have them playing competitive. And, you know, you can't say enough about Todd Bowles and that, and that Buccaneer defense. He, he may be looking at another head coaching gig uh, in the NFL uh, next year, possibly. So, you know, it's, it, it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. But uh, I definitely agree with you. The Bears are, are definitely a team to keep your eye out on. The New York Giants, I know a lot of people don't think that we don't talk enough about the Giants, but the Giants are not right now the laughing stock of New York. It's the New York Jets with everything that's going on behind the scenes. But uh, the Giants are 0-5. They went and they played a very talented team like the Cowboys that have not played well throughout the season. And, and that's because of injuries, but a devastating injury for Dak Prescott. The ankle injury is out for the season. Might be career-ending. Unfortunately, Dak Prescott did not take the extended contract that the Cowboys offered him in the offseason because he thought that he should be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He wanted $40 million. He didn't get it. He got the franchise tag, which he's making about $36, 37000000 million. But uh, unfortunately, he got injured. 
Uh, and and you, you saw Andy Dalton come in. A lot of people like Andy Dalton. I'm one of them. I think he fits the offense. And the Giants played very well in the game. Offensively, they, they're showing life in their offense. They really are. But And Daniel Jones, I know a lot of people say that Daniel Jones is not holding the ball. He's fumbling the ball. He's back to the old Daniel Jones. And that's a huge problem. And right now, if the season were to end, the Giants would have the number one pick. Not the Jets and not the Falcons. Because right now, early in the season, their strength of schedule is a little bit harder than both of those teams. But all in all, I think the Giants played a good game. But the, the, the Cowboys are the better team. Their explosive C.D. Lamb is a sensational player. He's probably going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And they have Gallup, who made some sensational catches, unbelievable catches. And, of, of, of course, we know about Amari Cooper. What were your thoughts about the Giants and the way they played in that game against the Cowboys? The Giants showed some fight, believe it or not, against the against the Cowboys. And, you know, that Dak injury was just, oh, my god, Devastating. Goodness. It was gruesome. You know, your, your heart goes out to him, sending the love and prayers that on a speedy recovery for him. I mean, you never want to see a player go down like that, especially the way that, uh, you know, Dak Prescott did. Regardless of whether or not you're a Cowboy fan or not, yet, yet your heart has to go out to the player. So it was difficult for him. But Andy Dalton did come in. You know, he did get the Cowboys over the hump. Um, they, they were able to snatch a victory. But you know what? I think the New York Giants are close. You know, the New York Giants are probably going to break through. They may end up winning two or three games. They're going to surprise some people, believe it or not. And Daniel Jones is not as bad as people say that, that he is. <laughs> I agree. But regardless of the fumbling issues and stuff, that's all coaching issue. You know, and you got to give Joe Judge the benefit of the doubt here because, you know, Gettleman is not really giving him a lot to work with. But, you know, Judge's no-nonsense attitude, you can tell. And that team is playing, playing hard for him. Uh, you know what? The Giants are playing a lot harder than the New York Jets at this point. So, uh, absolutely. You know they're they're gonna they're gonna surprise some people coming down the stretch uh, for the rest of the NFL season. So you know just just be patient. Let the let the process play itself out. You know, I, I really think the Giants got themselves a, jet, uh, a gem in, uh, in Daniel Jones. You know, I feel bad for Dak Prescott. He lost his brother before the season, and he's, he's right now fighting with the bipolar disorder that his brother had. And then his mother, a couple of years ago, passed away. So this guy has had so many hurdles that he had to jump, and now he has got a, he's got to jump another hurdle. So I feel really, really devastated about Dak Prescott. I like Dak Prescott. I think he's a good guy. Uh, and he, he's a good NFL player. You saw what he was doing. He was, he was going to break records this year. I think he would have broke 5,000 yards this year with that offense the way he was playing. So it's, it's a really sad situation. The Dolphins and the 49ers, that game stood out to me because I think the Dolphins are a team that could make the playoffs. They could be a wild card team. I love Brian Flores. I think he's, he's been a sensational coach since he came from the Bill Belichick tree and the New England Patriots. He's showing you that he can coach, and he can coach some of these young players, and, and he's developing some of these young players uh, very fast. Um, and, and they played against the 49ers team, the NFC champions, and they didn't just beat them. They crushed them. I don't want to hear they played Mullins. It wasn't Nick Bosa. I don't want to hear about all the players that they were missing. You play a team. You play the players that are on your schedule. And they kicked the living daylights out of the 49ers, 43-17. What did you think about Ryan Fitzpatrick, the old Jet? Fitzpatrick definitely has found a little bit of the fountain of youth down in Florida. And... You know, he's he's being able to run Chan Gailey's offense the way to the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick does. You know, there was a reason why Chan Gailey was brought back to Miami. It's because that he was able to really get the best out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, as his quarterback. 
So Brian Flores right now is pushing all of the right buttons. Uh, I said it at the beginning of the year that the Miami Dolphins were going to be a very dangerous football team. A lot of people laughed at me about that. A lot of people predicted they were going to go 5-11 and or 4-12. and And I definitely think that this team uh, is in a prime position to make some noise in the AFC East. Because, you know, the Jets are still suffering from failure to launch. But that's another story. <laughs> so, But the 49ers really, you know, laying an egg against the Miami Dolphins does say a lot. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo struggled in this game. He was actually benched at, at, at one point in this game, uh, in, you know, in favor of Mullins. Mm. So regardless of who was out there for the 49ers, and the 49ers had shown in previous weeks that their backups can, can are very capable when their starters are don't have the ability to go. So uh, I don't think that this was a fluke. I think that the Miami Dolphins took advantage of a 49er team that was suffering from a rash of injuries, and they did what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take advantage of a weak opponent, and that's exactly what they did. There are five other games that I'm going to quickly go through, and I want to know your opinion. The Raiders shocking everybody and knocking off the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe that was the reason why they made the move for Le'Veon Bell and bringing Le'Veon Bell after the Jets released him. I think he... He's going to give them a, a different dimension in the backfield. That's something that they probably don't have. They can use him as a wide receiver. The Raiders, Derek Carr looks like he's for real. He looks like he's for real. John Gruden is getting a lot out of some of the players that you wouldn't expect him to get out of. I was very, very impressed with the, the Raiders. Also, the Colts getting knocked off by the Browns. I picked Indianapolis, and, and the Browns are playing good football. Odell Beckham looks like the old Odell Beckham. This team is just a different team. Maybe it's the coaching. Maybe it's something else. Maybe Baker Mayfield is trying to figure himself out. He's not getting the yards and getting the touchdowns, the fabulous touchdowns that you would expect a star quarterback to do, but he's playing pretty well. Also, uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Vikings game really stood out to me because I thought that was a a fun game to watch, uh, especially uh, knowing that the Vikings needed to win that game. I picked the Vikings to win that game. I thought they were going to win, but Russell Wilson is just a fabulous quarterback. The defense, Seattle's defense is horrendous. This this is a terrible defense. But Russell Wilson is, this is the reason why he's the MVP of the league right now. He's been sensational. He stood out to me. He stood out to me throughout the season so far. He is by far the MVP of the NFL right now. Another game, Justin Herbert. Say whatever you want. They lost against the Saints. But Justin Herbert, week in and week out, what you've seen ever since he's taken over from Tyrod Taylor, this guy is for real. This guy is the best quarterback in that draft class. I said it when he was drafted. This guy is a superstar. He is going to be an elite quarterback in the league for years to come. He's got weapons. I I, I know the defense is broken down, has been broken down the last couple of weeks, but I love what I see from Josh, uh, from from the guy like Justin Herbert. So I've been very impressed with Justin Herbert. Uh, and also, the Tuesday night game that everybody knows. There was no Thursday night game. It was a Tuesday night game. Um, the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill has been unbelievable. I don't know what what has happened to this guy. Ever since he left Adam Gase, this guy has become a star. And this guy. Ryan Tannehill shows that there is life. There, there is indeed life after, after, after Adam Gase. Oh, absolutely life. And he didn't just crush a Bills defense. He tortured a, an undefeated Bills defense that nobody thought was possible, especially Tennessee with the COVID-19 not practicing practically all week. You wouldn't expect the Tennessee Titans to completely explode. Brian Tannehill was unbelievable. He was the player of the game. 
Uh, the running touchdown at the end of the game just sealed the deal for what, what he is this year and what he could be as a Super Bowl championship competitive quarterback. Uh, those, those are the games that stood out. What, what were your thoughts to all those games? Well, let me tell you, I'll, I'll start off with the Raiders-Chiefs game. Uh, that was definitely the upset of the weekend because, you know, a lot of people were picking the Chiefs to go undefeated. They really didn't see anybody on this schedule that would be able to be a speed bump. But the Raiders, the Raiders are just coming out of nowhere. The question is, can they sustain it? Because we saw the Raiders get off to a hot start last year, and then they started running into problems. They lost against the New York Jets last year, and then everything started to started to spiral out of control for them. So the question is going to be, can they sustain the momentum that they have right now? But this, in my opinion, was definitely the upset of the weekend. Um, I want to go to that Bills-Titans game. Wow. Just, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about Ryan Tannehill and his performance against the Buffalo Bills. What was also shocking to me was you started to see a, a little bit of Josh Allen come back to come down to earth. Uh, the Buffalo Bills have been, they are no doubt uh, probably the team to beat in the AFC East, but you really saw them struggle against the Tennessee Titans. And you start to wonder if this is a blueprint for how other teams should be matching up against the Buffalo Bills in the future. Just a question mark to keep at the back of your head. Um, a, another game that stood out to me that it, that you did not mention mm -hmm. um, the Panthers at the Falcons, mm -hmm. you know, the Panthers are slowly starting to make people stand up and take notice. And guess what? Jet fans, oh, Robbie gosh. Anderson is a big, big part hot of hands, that. hot hands right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, you're, you're starting to see the Carolina Panthers very quietly start to make some noise. Another game that stood out to me, of course, and I'm going to put this one out there, which you didn't mention. The Los Angeles Rams. Uh, come on, man. Rams. They play the Washington football team. The Rams are making some noise because a lot of people expected them to take a step backwards. But Jared Coff and company, they're banging on the door and they're saying, hey, guys, we're still around. Nah. And, of course, I also want to mention that uh, Seattle Seahawks-Minnesota Vikings game. Russell Wilson if he's not the, the NFL MVP this year, I have no idea. Considering that that Seattle defense, you know, allowed almost 500 yards of, of, of total offense in that game. And they still managed to put out a win. Well, so. I, I will say this. And, 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 and Seattle and, and Russell Wilson is right now far and along. He is the MVP. But Aaron Rodgers is right behind him. He's had a sensational right. season, too. So those are the two guys. If Aaron Rodgers explodes, and he might explode this week, and, and if Russell Wilson has one bad game, Aaron Rodgers could be the MVP. I mean, it's back and forth. Both of them are having sensational seasons. Right now, it's Russell Wilson. He's been fabulous. He's been unbelievable. I agree with you on that. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get into week six, ladies and gentlemen. It's crazy. The football season is coming and it's going. We will get into week six here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, and my co-host, Eric Coleman, who's not with us today. He's over there at the Jets facility. As you know, this is brought to you by 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and New York Sports Scene Magazine. And guys, if you don't know, download our app on iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN. And Android, how many times 
Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We went through week number five, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go through this week's games. We're going to skim through it. We're going to make our five picks, and CJ's going to join me today, and he's going to make his picks, and we're going to go back. What was uh, what was my record last week? Uh, you you got you and Eric agreed on everything except for the Viking Seahawks, and so now you two are tied. Ah, God. How wonderful. Me and Eric are tied. So, so you, 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 you can blame Mike Zimmer, I guess, or whatever you want to do. I'll, I'll blame myself. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go through the games. And the first game we're going to get into is your New York Jets, my friends. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> what can I say about this? So Jets playing the Dolphins, 405. This game has all the makings of another Miami massacre. So don't be surprised if the New York Jets lose this game by double digits. You know what? This could be another 30 to 10 walloping. Oh, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's game. They're going to kill. There's nothing to talk about. The Jets are now you could see it. Le'Veon Bell's gone. Jamal Adams is gone. You're hearing, you're hearing possibly Jamison Crowder uh, is on the shopping list right now. So, And Quinn Williams is actually getting brought up in conversation. I, I think the Jets will be making a big mistake if they trade Quinn or Williams. But uh, the Jets are looking to move forward uh, and try to lose out the rest of the season. The Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. Who do you got? I'll take the Patriots in this one. I think that uh, you know the Patriots' momentum right now, they're – pretty much taking them forward. Bill Belichick seems to have these guys dialed in. And Denver, I'm just not sold on yet. So, I definitely take the Patriots in this one. I'm not going to make any picks because Speedy has the picks. I don't know what teams he's picked, but uh, or, or games that he's picked, but I, 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 Denver is a very interesting team. I don't know if Drew Locke is back this week. Uh, I'm hoping that he's back because I'd like to see uh, the explosive offense that we were expected to see this year. But this team has been an absolute catastrophe. Uh, a, a team that obviously is waiting for the season to end, just like half the teams in the NFL. But New England is is gonna is gonna come back to life. Cam Newton's back, so I think they're gonna be very fun to watch moving forward. Houston and Tennessee, I think this is gonna be a very fun game. Uh, what are your thoughts in this game? Wow. Yes, Houston. Believe it or not, starting to wake up after firing uh, head coach slash GM Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually pulled out a victory last week, so I expect them to try to build off of that but you know i don't know it's gonna it's it's gonna be tough especially you know the tennessee titans just coming off the 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 whooping of the buffalo bills so you know the titans have a lot of momentum going into this so this should be a rather interesting matchup to see but i'm gonna go tennessee yeah and i'm looking at pittsburgh and cleveland right now and and i think that's gonna be a fun game because you have uh, pittsburgh they're an undefeated team and you have cleveland uh, who's been very explosive the last couple of weeks, and their defense has played practically uh, better than we expected. So um, I think that this is going to be a fun game to watch, too. Uh, another game that really stands out to me this week is Baltimore and Philadelphia, because if Philadelphia doesn't win this game, uh, you might as well call it, uh, call it a day. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think they could compete in this division. This is a very weak division. This is the weakest division we've seen in a very long time, and that's crazy to say uh, when you look at the Cowboys 2-3, and three, they're the only team that's going to obviously fight for that, that number one spot. And, and whoever wins the division is going to be the only team that's going to come out of this division. So uh, that's a game that really stands out to me. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, also, Atlanta and Minnesota. Minnesota looks like they're done. I, I don't know what's going on with them. And, CJ, I don't know if you have your own thoughts to this. 
I think this is a game that Atlanta could win. I really do think that Atlanta could win. They fired their coach, Dan Quinn. This is an explosive team, and Minnesota's defense has been horrendous all season long. A defense that everybody thought was one of the top defenses going into the season. They have been absolutely horrendous. I think they're ranked 18th or 17th in all-purpose yards, uh, giving up in, in the league. When you talk about one of the most dominant defenses the last couple of years, and Mike Simmers, who's one of the best defensive minds in the NFL, uh, that's saying a lot. I, I like Atlanta in this game, but what game really sticks out to you this week? The Brown Steelers game, believe it or not, uh, is a game that I'm very interested in because even though the Steelers are undefeated, the Browns are definitely dangerous as advertised. So don't be surprised if we get ourselves an upset over here with the with the Browns possibly going into Pittsburgh and stealing a victory. There are three games that stand out to me the most, and they're going to be really good games. You got uh, Green Bay and Tampa. You have Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, two guys that are arguably some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Obviously, they're both moving in different directions. You have Green Bay that's undefeated, one of the most undefeated. They're the only, one of the only undefeated teams in the NFL. And Tampa, who has played, you know, played well one week and played bad the next week. And Tom Brady has not looked like Tom Brady. So that game stands out to me. Another game that stands out to me is Kansas City and Buffalo. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell's first game as a Kansas City Chief against a Buffalo Bills team that did not show up on Tuesday night football uh, against the Tennessee Titans. Maybe they show up against this team and surprise the world to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs. And Arizona and Dallas, the other Monday night football game, both teams are fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, Arizona knocking off the Jets. Uh, Kyler Murray is a sensational young quarterback, young and small, uh, but plays like a big man. And Dallas, uh, I, I do believe Andy Dalton is going to show everybody why he has he's been successful as a quarterback in the league. Is any of those games stand out to you this week? Absolutely. The Packers at the Buccaneers, believe it or not, this has the makings to be probably the highlight game of the afternoon. You mentioned it yourself. You got Aaron Rodgers going up against Tom Brady and, you know, the Buccaneers coming off that loss. They're going to want to have a, a good bounce back game. They're going to want to be more consistent. Aaron Rodgers right now and the, and the Packers, they're just completely lighting the league on fire. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Todd Bowles and that Buccaneer defense can find a way to slow down Aaron Rodgers and that very potent Green Bay offense. So that's going to be an interesting game to watch. Also, the Monday night matchup, Chiefs at the Bills, both teams coming off losses, so which means both teams are going to be coming out very angry, very hungry. And I have a feeling that that's going to be a very low-scoring affair. I think so, too. Hey, Speedy, why don't you do that? What are the games that All you right. have? Let's so go. So Browns-Steelers is the first one. All right, so CJ, who Ding. you got? <laughs> I've got the Browns in that one over the Steelers. I'm picking the upset this weekend. I've got the Steelers. i got the Steelers. I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger is back. You can see that he's back. And they have explosive wide receivers, a.k.a. Quivell. So I, I, I've, I've been very, very uh, impressed with the weapons that they have on the field. And, of course, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers find wide receivers. So. Right, Bill's Chiefs. Who do you got, CJ? You know what? I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one because I think that both teams, like I said, coming off of a loss, they're both going to be hungry. It's going to be a question of who wants it more, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. And I like my chances with Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch, but I have Kansas City in the game too, even though it's in Buffalo. And I, I want to pick Buffalo in the game, and I hope Buffalo. And I know I, I said that I have a feeling Buffalo could win the game. I do have a feeling Buffalo could win the game, but I think the better quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go with the better quarterback. And I have Kansas City in that game. All right, Packers, Bucks. 
Oh, man. You know what? I'm making this pick for one of my coworkers. Her name is Sergeant Sizemore at the 45th Medical Group here at Patrick Air Force Base. Go Pack Go. I'm picking this one on her behalf. I got the Packers, too. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's the better quarterback. Uh, they're the more explosive team. I could see the, the Green Bay Packers going undefeated until week nine. They're going to be fun to watch all season long if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. I got the Packers. All right, the two games you didn't mention, Bears and the Panthers. Who do you got, CJ? Ooh, I'm going to take the Panthers in this one. Nah, I got the Bears. I think the Bears are the better team. They have the better defense. I, the, the Panthers have been very impressive, but uh, as good as the Panthers have been year in and year out at home, I think Chicago is the better team. All right, last one, Sunday Night Football, Rams 49ers. This is a, another interesting one. I'm surprised that we missed this one, Arrow. You know what? This one has the makings of being a track meet. I think that the defenses are going to end up taking the night off on this one. So this could be a high-scoring affair. You know what? Depending on who's a quarterback for the 49ers, this could make themselves a very interesting game. And plus, if Jimmy Garoppolo ends up getting that start, He's going to want to prove that, you know what, he's gotten himself off the schneid from last week. I'm going to go 49ers in this one. No, I'm going with the Rams. I don't like Jared Goff, but I'm going with the Rams, San Francisco. I don't know. They're, they're just not the same team without Nick Bosa. This is not the same defense. So before we let you go, I want to hear a two-minute rant on what you think of what the New York Jets are doing right now with Joe Douglas. This is just full tank mode. You know, let, let, let's call it what it is. I mean, at the beginning of the season, uh, Joe Douglas talked about, you know, wanting to build the best culture in sports, uh, you know, wanting this to be a destination for, for free agents in the offseason. And I just think it's been anything but the continued employment of Adam Gase, despite the fact of the, the Jets 0-5 record is just laughable at this point. You know, they're basically releasing Le'Veon Bell uh, in their quote-unquote attempts to try and trade him when there were no takers. And the reason why was because somebody had to have known already or somebody had to have had inside knowledge that the Jets were planning on releasing Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, that in itself was comical. So it, it, just everything that, that as Jet fans, we have been told at the beginning of the season that we were going to see competitive football, and if you're not trying hard enough, it is just completely laughable at this point. And I think it's time that both Joe Douglas and Chris Johnson <clears throat> come out, address the public, take your lumps, and just get it over with. Because at this point, as much as I want Adam Gase fired now, I wanted him fired yesterday, there's really no point in firing him because it just seems like that you've not only punted on the season, but you're also punting on Sam Darnold as well. So you may as well just get rid of him too, <laughs> if that's the case. Because if not, then you know what? Get rid of Adam Gase. Promote either Brant Boyer or Jim Bob Cooter to head coach. Put another ear in Sam Donald's ear. And if you're truly going to evaluate this quarterback and dis- make, the, make the logical decision whether or not he is going to be the future quarterback of your franchise, give him a fair and balanced shot. Not unbalanced. I almost said unbalanced. Balanced shot. Okay? Don't just sit here, let the kids sit on the sideline, and then all of a sudden you're going to decide you're going to trade him. Uh, on draft day or trade him in the off season for a bag of balls or a slightly used jock strap. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to evaluate the kid, evaluate the kid. Don't just put him out there with bowling pins and expect them to, 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 to win. Because if you already have it mentally in your head that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the New York jets, future quarterback, then do right by Sam Darnold 
and at least let him leave with his dignity. At least let him leave with his respect. At least have enough class to tell the kid, we just don't think you're the goods. And then move on. And I understand that the NFL is a business. And there are 22 little businesses every day that take the field out there when they, when, when, when they play their football games. But the Jets have always had a history of not doing the right thing by players. You know, and this kid believes in this organization and he's living and dying by everything that Adam Gase is saying. So the Jets should do right by him and give him a fair enough shot for him to either prove that, hey, I could be the guy to take us into the future or I'm not the guy. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Well, uh, I've been saying this over and over again. I think that the Jets are looking towards the future and I just don't know in their eyes and maybe in Joe Douglas's eyes that Sam Donald is the guy that he wants to lead uh, in the future for this organization. I think that I believe Sam Donald is going to be a star in this league. And I still, if it came, if, if I was the GM, I would probably decide to take that pick and try to trade it off and try to get as much as I can get back for that can solidify my future. But I think Joe Douglas sees that Trevor Lawrence is the goods right now, and everybody says he's a no-brain number one draft pick where everybody thinks that he's the next superstar in the league. And the Jets have never had that opportunity to get the best uh, quarterback of the last 15 and 20 years. They had a chance with Peyton Manning. He decided to go back to Tennessee. We've seen this year in and year out. They had a chance to get Dan Marino. They decided to go with, uh, go with O'Brien. This has been the Jets' forte. This has been who the Jets are. So I believe that Joe Douglas is trying to get rid of all of Mike McCagney's guys and move forward with his guys. And I think when Adam Gase is gone and Greg Williams is gone and that coaching staff is gone and every single player besides Quinn Williams, unless he trades them at the trade deadline, is gone, it's all his guys now. Now he can move forward with his guys. And I, I think, no offense to Sam Darnold, I think in, in his thoughts, he wants to bring in his coach, he wants to bring in his quarterback to, to move forward in the Jets' culture. And, and obviously, Sam Donald isn't the Jets' quarterback in, in the future. So, unfortunately, well, that's the I got a question thing. for you. Do you think that either Christopher Johnson or Woody Johnson, at that point, will have enough chutzpah to give the keys to Joe Douglas and say, this is your show, this is your ship, you run it, the only thing I'm going to do is sit back and write the checks. I think he. I think they are. I think that Joe. Doug, that's why they gave Joe Douglas the six-year contract. They wanted to see, and I know they can. They keep saying Christopher Johnson has said that he thinks Adam Gase is a great coach. He's he's an offensive guru. That's fine. Chris Johnson Biggest mistake he ever made. Yeah, but that's Chris, his mouth shut. He should have. But you want to know something? He's not going to throw his coach under the bus. You know that about Chris, and you know that about Woody. So they're not going to do that. And. I know a lot of people think that they're not good owners, and that's fine. They open up their pockets, and they spend money. So everybody that says that the Jets don't spend money or the Jets don't, the ownership does not care about the fan base, that's a lie. You see it. When they didn't want John Isnick, they got rid of him right, at, right away. And I believe that they see what's going on with Adam Gase. And at the end of the season, being uh, reevaluating the situation of where the Jets are, I do believe Adam Gase is gone. CJ, thank you for joining us, my friend. This has been a privilege and an honor, and thank you guys so much for having me on today. Guys, you have to check CJ DeSimone's show, Weapons Hot on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, every single Sunday, 
only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check it out. Download the app on Android and iOS, on iOS, WWSRN, on Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, Debate Wars here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. Right now, my co-host is Speedy Petey. Eric is uh, working with the New York Jets, uh, Miami Dolphins game. So shout out to Eric Coleman. He will be joining us next week, so don't worry about that. Uh, as you guys know, we are on every single week on Saturday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. We do this every week, ladies and gentlemen, and Speedy. Debate Wars. And I am going to be debating this week's show with the great and pain in the butt, Speedy Petey. All right. First one, we start in with the offensive line. We haven't done one of these in a while. Better offensive lineman in his time, Orlando Pace or Walter Jones? I'm going to go with Orlando Pace. I mean, what we've seen with Orlando Pace over the years, and Walter Jones was a great offensive lineman. Orlando Pace really revolutionized the position, what he did with the Rams. Really, the, the greatest show on turf he was one of the big reasons why the greatest show on turf was as good as it was. The offensive line was one of the greatest offensive lines of all time, and he was the lead guy. He was the guy that they built the offensive line around. So I'm going to go with Orlando Pace. I agree with you. I think Orlando Pace was definitely more of a pioneer, I think, for the, for the offensive line position, like you were saying. I think he definitely was a big guy. Usually you see that on the inside a lot of the time with guards and centers, and I, th- I think that really ended up making a difference, especially for that Rams team. And even after the greatest show on turf, he still had great longevity after that. Walter Jones was phenomenal, too. He's arguably the greatest player in Seahawks franchise history, but I think pace, I get, give the slight edge. All right, better 50s and 60s big man, Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain? Oh, man. Well, I'm going to go with Bill Russell because of the championships. Wilt Chamberlain was the better all-around player. I mean, athletic ability. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain was the only seven-foot guy in the NBA, and there was not many teams at that time. I think there were eight or ten teams in the NBA, and that's what people don't understand. The NBA now has like 32 teams, so it's different. But Bill Russell was the defensive uh, phenom. He was the only guy that could shut down Wilt Chamberlain the way he did, and he won all those titles, 11 championships. Bill Russell, uh, Wilt Chamberlain only won two titles uh, with Philadelphia and the L.A. Lakers, so I'm going to go with Bill Russell. I'm going to take Wilt Chamberlain because I think Wilt Chamberlain has a lot of records that will never be broken. Yeah, you're right where he was the only seven-foot guy in the NBA, but again, they're not far off in terms of the eras they played in. And again, Bill Russell was part of a very loaded team as well with the Celtics in the 50s and the 60s. Wilt Chamberlain, I think, had very good longevity. He went to the Golden State Warriors, then he went to the Lakers. So I I think that really makes a difference as a whole as well. And again, he didn't really have the guys to play around with. So let's go to baseball now. Better player at his peak, Alex Rodriguez or Ken Griffey Jr.? Alex Rodriguez. And I know a lot of people love Ken Griffey Jr. And a lot of people are not going to take Alex Rodriguez because of the steroids. But go look at the numbers. Numbers don't lie. Alex Rodriguez, over 650 home runs. Uh, the RBIs, I don't even have his numbers because Speedy is the one who picked out these debates. And, and because Eric's not here, he's debating and arguing with him. So he has more of an advantage than I do. But Alex Rodriguez, if you look at all-around numbers, he has the all-around numbers. 
And because that Ken Griffey Jr. was fighting so many injuries over year after year after year that he had, when he went to Cincinnati, he wasn't the same player. The longevity of Alex Rodriguez. So I'm going to go with Alex Rodriguez because he was the better all-around player than Ken Griffey Jr., even though he was one of the best center fielders of all time. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to take Ken Griffey Jr. Of course you are. I think... If he didn't have the injuries, I think he would have had more stolen bases in his career and probably more gold gloves as well because he was a phenomenal defensive center fielder. I think really changed the game. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yeah, uh, but here's the other thing I look at too. Alex Rodriguez, after he moved from shortstop to third base, I don't think he was the same defensive player after that. He won a gold glove. Yeah, one gold glove, but I still think— Still won one. Uh, still, I don't think— You he... moved from a position to another position, and there were so many good third basemen in the league, and you win a gold glove on that saying something. But there's also a lot of top center fielders in the league, too, and Ken Griffey Jr. won a massive amount of gold. I think it was 13 in his career amidst all those injuries. So I think that really does make a difference, too. You got 660 home runs for your career, and— I think as a whole, he was – look at the influence he had on the game, too, with the way he played, the, the flair that he had. I really think that's – Alex Rodriguez up. didn't have flair? He did, but I think Griffey really started that as a whole, too, in that time when, again, look at all the baseball traditionalists that are still bashing guys now for never having all that Nobody's going to pick Alex Rodriguez because of all the steroids, but if he didn't do steroids, I guarantee you people would take Alex Rodriguez. Maybe. Guarantee you. Maybe. We'll just never know. All right, let's go to back to football. Better wide receiver in his time, Anquan Bolden or Heinz Ward? That's a good argument. I'm going to go with Heinz Ward. I, now, Anquan Bolden is another guy that's won championships just like um, Ward did. But Ward did it in a time where you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were based on defense. Ben Roethlisberger coming in as a rookie, he, he changed the game, opened up the field. And Heinz Ward was the toughest, the meanest and the most disrespectable uh, wide receiver on the field. Every time he played, everybody could tell you who's the player that they hated to play against, who's the player that he couldn't stand because he talked so much crap. It was Hines Ward. Hines Ward, he just changed the game from a likable player to a person that you couldn't stand. So I'm going to take Hines Ward. I'm actually going to take Anquan Bolden. I think his longevity, we talked about longevity before. is Hines Ward had longevity too. Both of them did, but I think Anquan Bolden's both longevity and durability – Switching to a lot of different a bigger teams. Winner? Who was a bigger winner? They both won one Super Bowl. But who was a bigger winner? Who played for a bigger winning organization? Okay, but they're based on talent around you too. That's not talent around you. Who you, did Hines you bash Ward? Tom Brady for playing with a lot Ward? of great players? Did, who did Hines Ward have around him as a wide receiver? Honestly, as a wide receiver, as a wide receiver, the other wide receivers around him. As a wide receiver, yeah. who? Uh, I think his next best one was Antoine Randall-L. Uh, Randall-L. But he, but he I rest my case. Okay, but he also had a great offensive line. Jerome Bettis, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh. The, Ooh, he had nobody else. So he was the number one guy, and he was getting double and triple team, and he still was dominant. So. Okay, but so Anquan Bolden, you're discrediting for— He played with Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, and he outside of Kurt Warner, what great quarterbacks did he play with? Oh, get out of here. He played with Joe Flacco. Okay, Joe Flacco at— He was the MVP of the Super Bowl, one of yeah, the greatest great playoff quarterback. Runs. No one doubt about the, that. He was a great regular season quarterback, too. Go look but at his numbers. The Ravens don't win that Super Bowl without Anquan Bolden because they didn't have any other receivers at that time. They've been bad at finding receivers. I think that does make a difference, too. You're and even with mind. the 49ers, too. He, he played very well for them at the latter end of his career. Hines Ward. At 34, 35 years old. I'm taking Anquan Bolden. No matter what you argue, it's not going to make a difference because Hines Ward played with nobody and Anquan Bolden, you go look at the teams he's played with, he played with a lot of good wide receivers. It, it wasn't just Larry Fitzgerald, arguably one of the greatest of all time. Go look at Hines right, Ward. You he remember never... another Ravens receiver that he played with when he was there? I, I Off the head, no, because I don't know. He had a great running game too, so... Let's go. So did the Steelers. Yeah, so did the Steelers. Who? Jerome Bettis? <laughs> yeah. Fat Jerome Bettis? Really? Yeah. The, yeah. Really? Oh, really? Fat Jerome Bettis. That's harsh. Who's overrated, too. Who oh, shouldn't be in the on. Hall of Fame, either.
Really? Yes. Wow. All right. Let's go back to basketball. Greater 76ers player of all time, Dr. J or Charles Barkley? Dr. J. I love Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was a great player. He was a sensational player. The dream team, some people say he was the best player on that dream team in 1992. Michael Jordan did. said that uh, Charles Barkley was the best player playing on the court. So you could go back and forth, but I look at Dr. J. He kind of revolutionized the game, the gliding, the style and profiling on the court. And everywhere he went, he won. So I I love Dr. J. And he changed the game. Ask Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, who did he look, look up to when he was a kid? It was Dr. J. Most of these guys that you tell, even Charles Barkley would tell you, who did he look up to at his position when he was younger? It was Dr. J. Dr. J was so loved by everybody. He's still loved by everybody. I'm going to go with Dr. J. I agree. I'm going to take Dr. J as well. I'm going to mention something Mark mentioned on his segment a couple of weeks ago, the ABA influence as well. That really changed the game as well with the merger at that time in the 70s and really put Philadelphia on the map when he came in as a not really a basketball city because there's still a lot of their other sports too, but their basketball team on the map at that time all right last one worst new york sports contract jacoby ellsbury's with the yankees or joakim noah's with the knicks mm, jacoby ellsbury it was a huge contract overpaid i think the yankees were trying to figure out what they were going to do after they let robinson cano go with that 220 something million dollar contract uh with jay-z so they were trying to bring somebody in they thought bringing in a center fielder that had flair was a, a runner-up for an mvp uh, with the Red Sox, a lot of people thought he was doing steroids. In paying him 157 or 170 million dollars, I think that was just outlandish. And he missed like the last three or four years of uh, of that contract with the Yankees because the guy couldn't stay healthy. So I'm going to say Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, both were really bad, and I remember calling both of those at the time. But I'm going to take Joakim Noah for the sole reason of you're pe- you're paying a guy where the game has you passed paid him, him 70 million. Yeah, but the, the game passed him by at that point where you kind of knew he was the basic center, great defensive player in his prime, no doubt about that. That, but in a three-point shooting league where the game was getting smaller, you have to be able to see these kinds of things if you're an organization. And obviously, Phil Jackson, we know he didn't see that when he was running the New York Knicks. $70 million or $158 million? Mm. Uh, yeah, but I think there's a difference at that time between... Uh, they both big... never really played on those teams. No, but again, Jacoby Ellsbury, while he was injury-prone, and I kind of saw that coming, he still was a decent player no, at the time. No, he wasn't. He was terrible. Yeah, but... Not we didn't think that he would fall off the way he did. Whereas you kind of knew Joe Kim Noah with the, with the way the game. But was you didn't say what by. you think. You said who was what was the worse a contract? Right, I, signed at the time. Yeah, so, well, well, you said signed at the time. I'm saying when I look at the big picture, and it's, J- it's J- Jacoby Ellsbury. All righty, so that is it for debate wars for today. Eric can't say he won this time. No. And I <laughs> honestly, uh, I probably would have won anyway. So there you go. Maybe. When we come back, the last segment of the day, we're not doing a, a cup of coal because Eric's not here. And we're not going to do market up this week. So we're going to go right into the last segment of the week. And we call that, Speedy, Crunch Time. Here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host today is Speedy Petey. Shout out to Eric Coleman, working over there at the Jets facility with uh, the team of the New York Jets and Miami Dolphins, uh, which the Jets are playing this week, and they're probably going to lose. Uh, as you guys know, this is only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. I am dancing a little bit. I actually like Calvin Harris. I like this track with John Newman. Blame, if you guys don't know this track, I love this track. Speedy, are you ready? Let's do this. As you guys know, we call this segment 
Crunch time. It's time for Crunch Time. All right. We're actually going to start this week with hockey this week. Mm, How wonderful. So buy or sell. Henrik Lundqvist now signing with the Washington Capitals. They will make the Eastern Conference Finals. I would say no. I I just don't like the Washington Capitals. They're going to be making uh, some moves in the offseason. They're going to have to get rid of players. That uh, with, with what happened with COVID nineteen, some of these, some of the players that they have, and Ovechkin's a free agent this year. We don't know where Ovechkin's going to go. I don't know if he's going to resign with the Capitals or he's going to uh, work uh, work out uh, his differences somewhere else with another organization, maybe the New York Islanders, uh, aka uh, Barry Trotz. Uh, so I'm going to say no. I'll say yes, because for one, for one thing, I think Ovechkin will re-sign. I agree he could go to the Islanders if he hits free agency. I think that'll be the best choice. But Peter Laviolette's another thing to factor in there, too. Coaching will make a big difference for this team. I think they're still a powerhouse in the Metropolitan. I think it's them, the Islanders, and Carolina. But they do have the prowess now with Laviolette as a coach, a great coach. Let's go to college football. There's three SEC teams that are ranked in the top 20 this week. One of them will be upset. Auburn playing in South Carolina. You got Texas A&M playing on the road against Mississippi State, and then Tennessee hosting Kentucky. Mm. One of them will lose this week. I'm going to say Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee is going to lose. I, you know, I, I look at Texas A&M, too. They're also a very good team. They have very good quarterback play, and they're known for their offense. But something tells me Tennessee this week uh, playing a Kentucky team that a lot of people don't realize is a very good team and has proven the last couple of weeks that they can, they can compete. So I'm going to go with Tennessee. I agree with you. I have a different game, though. I think it'll be Texas A&M. I think they have a letdown after beating Florida last week. I think that'll end up making a difference when it comes to Mike Leach's offense, streaky week to week. This is the do for a good week, so I could see that kind of thing happening. So I agree with you. I'm going to buy that, too, but different game. All right, let's go to baseball. Randy Rosarena, six home runs right now for the Rays. We'll finish the postseason with 10 home runs or more. It all depends if they can get out of this uh, round against the Houston Astros. If they get out of the round and go to the World Series, that would be different. I don't know if they will. I, I think Houston could surprise the world and be the second team in Major League history to come back from a 3-0 deficit. They're the first team to do that since the Red Sox. The second team to do it right after the Red Sox throughout the last 100 years. So I, I don't know. My answer would probably be no. I'm going to sell it too. I, even, if, even if they do advance, I think the Dodgers or Braves will definitely be able to game plan for that well. Braves are very well managed. They have the pitchers to be able to do it. The Dodgers, eh, not well managed, but they still have some talented pitchers to be able to do it. And I think that you'll see like last year's World Series, you're going to see the power kind of dip down, and the Rays will go back to their ways of winning like that. I'm going to sell that as well. I'm going to sell it too, if All that's right. what you want to hear. Yep. <laughs> Buy or sell. Josh Allen will have more combined yards. Than Patrick Mahomes. Mm, combined yards? Yep. Uh, than Patrick Mahomes? I'm going to sell that. I think both of them are going to have very good games offensively. I think I don't trust Kansas City's defense, and, and you saw what Buffalo's defense could do against uh, a very good offense. So I'm going to say both of them are going to have sensational games. They're going to be very, very close when it comes to it. So I'm going to sell that. I'm going to buy it for the sole purpose. I like Josh Allen's rushing capabilities this week against the Chiefs defense. It's more of a base defense. And they don't really blitz a lot. They're I not a very good secondary, Kansas City. Right. And you saw it last week against the Raiders. Even getting Bashad Breeland back, they got shredded. And again, just the linebacker talent, I don't know if it's there with the Chiefs to be able to do that. Honey Badger can only play one spot on the field. I mean, he's going to be everywhere. But I think Allen running will be a big part of the game plan, especially with still Zach Moss. You don't know where he's going to go. And Singletary's been kind of up and down. They really need another area to look at when it comes to a rushing attack. So I am going to say that that is going to happen. I will buy it. 
So buy or sell, Doc Rivers will lead the 76ers to an Eastern Conference Finals within the next three seasons. Mm, I'm going to sell that because uh, I just don't know if Doc Rivers is as good a coach as everybody thinks he is. Look how many players he needed to win a championship with the Celtics. He had Kevin Garnett, he had Paul Pierce, and he had the Jet. He didn't have only him. He had Ray Allen. So you have arguably three Hall of Famers and possibly a fourth. I, I don't know if Doc Rivers can win with a good team. He couldn't win with Kawhi Leonard. He couldn't win with Paul George. So I'm going to sell that. I don't think he's going to go to the Eastern Conference Championship because there's just so many better teams in the Eastern Conference. Miami, you have the Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Nets. Maybe the Knicks in a couple of years will be decent. There are a, a lot of different – Milwaukee, if they keep the Greek freak. There are other teams right now – and the Celtics. There are other teams in the East that are just to- so much better than them. I agree with you, and the depth is really still a concern. The Clippers had depth. A lot of the other teams he coached in the past had depth, and this team does not have depth, and they're going to be cash-strapped for a while. You watch. The East is going to be looked at better than the West in the next couple of years. All righty. Very interesting. Buy or sell? There will be two more coaches fired before Adam Gase this year. Mm, I am going to sell that. I don't think that's going to happen. I I think Adam Gase will be fired at the end of the season. I don't think you're going to see anybody get fired for the rest of the season. They're going to wait until the end of the season, uh, Black Monday, and then a lot of coaches, maybe three or four coaches, will be fired. I think Adam Gase will be rule number one when it comes to coaches that are going to be fired on Black Monday. So, no. I am going to sell that. I'm going to sell it, too. I could see one more, maybe Matt Patricia, if the Lions start slumping a little more. They'll wait until the end of the season. I don't know, because I think there are always ones that like to make changes quickly. We've seen that a lot. Uh, they're not ones that like teams like the Bengals that like to hold on to their coaches for too long. They're not one of those kinds of teams. So I could see that, but two, I don't know where that other one would be. I know you think Mike Zimmer could be one of them. Mm-hmm. I think he'll get another year with the rookies just, just because they're his draft picks. And getting used to that defensive scheme, even though I think he, he should be, because I, I again I think he's been on the hot seat for a while. He's getting. Fired. I, I I think they'll commit to that for at least the one more year. And if he struggles next year with those same defensive players, he'll be fired. I don't. Again, I don't really see where else that would be. Maybe Anthony Lynn, but Justin Herbert's done a great job, so I can't really see. Nah, that. they're not firing Anthony. Really and they can't. love him. Yeah, and the and the players love him. Yeah, I can't really see that either. So I agree with you. Uh, let's go back to baseball. So the Tigers have actually rumored two of the former cheating managers to be in their managerial talks. A.J. Hinch or Alex Cora. So buy or sell. One of them will be hired. I am going to buy that. I think A.J. Hinch is going to be a lot of people on a lot of people's list of managers that are going to be available in the offseason. I think A.J. Hinge is better than Alex Cora. And I think A.J. Hinge, even with the cheating scandal, he has been a very good manager even before that. I think he's one of the top managers that are available this offseason, so I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy it, too, because they, they need something. They need something desperate. I think they got to try anything. They're not going to be good for a long time, so... Any move they make will be past the time where you were going to say, okay, we can get over this now with Hinch and Cora three years later. when Cora's Tiger- not getting another job for a long time. Yeah, what, whichever one it is, I agree with you where it's probably going to be Hinch most likely. But whatever it will end up happening, I think the time will be past you, that. You, you heard Hinge apologize for everything that happened. You didn't, did you ever hear Alex Cora apologize for what mm-hmm. he did? That's you, fair. You didn't hear it. But I think either way, the Tigers will make that kind of move. All right, back to college football. Alabama will still beat Georgia, even if Nick Saban can't coach from the sidelines. Mm, no. If, if Nick Saban is not on the sidelines, that will not happen. Georgia's coach was their old offensive coordinator. So I don't think so. I think Georgia right now is a better team than Alabama. And losing Nick Saban, who is arguably one of the greatest coaches in NCAA history, 
that's going to hurt. So I am going to sell that. In any other year, I probably would agree with you, but this is kind of a fluky kind of college football season where, yes, that should happen, but I feel like it won't. One, Alabama's still home for one thing, and Georgia's offense has still not gotten it going yet. So I could see that kind of thing happen where Alabama wins in a weird way or something like that, a very low-scoring game, good SEC defenses playing against each other. In any other year, i probably agree with you, but I actually am going to buy that. All right, last one. Neither Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady will have 300 yards in their matchup. Um, I am going to sell that. I think both of them are going to get over 300 yards. I don't trust Green Bay's secondary. I really don't. I don't think they're a very strong secondary. They're a great front seven. They can get to the quarterback, and I think they're going to hit Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to throw an interception in this game. Uh, hopefully it's not a pick six because that could cost them the game. But uh, I think both players are going to have over 300 yards. Tom Brady, who has not really thrown 300 yards all season long, I think in one game he had 300, game, yep. 300 yards in, in five games. That, that's unheard of for Tom Brady. So I think both of them are going to throw 300 yards. So I am going to buy that. I disagree. I, I, I think the Buccaneers are actually going to rely on their running game a lot, a lot more against a weak Packers run defense. I think a big game for Ronald Jones. I think a big game for Fournette if he plays. And Brady, again, they're just getting some weapons back. How used to that will be with, with Godwin and with some of the tight ends as well. And Aaron Rodgers, he's going up against a secondary that's been surprisingly good. CJ mentioned it with Todd Bowles. He's done a great job with these young corners. Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield Jr., who's done a great job so far in that secondary. I think the Packers are going to have some trouble. Not too much trouble. I think Rodgers will only be slightly under, but they're going to have a little more trouble than people think with Tampa's secondary. Well, 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 that is it, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back next week with Eric Coleman. Shout out to Eric. I know Eric's working. He's been working very, very hard. He does six shows throughout the weekend. The guy is a workaholic. I give him a shout out. I respect all the work that he puts in, especially on this show. Uh, shout out to him. Shout out to CJ Desimone from Weapons Hot for joining us for a few segments. And Josh Silverberg, another guy that puts a lot of time on our show. He does a show on our network called Off the Mat. It's a wrestling show with Alex Lowe. So shout out to him for joining us. We really appreciate all the hard work and dedication that everybody puts into our network and throughout our shows. And shout out to all the fans that listen to our shows throughout the country and throughout Long Island uh, on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, and our network, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will be back next week on Saturday at 7 p.m. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.